This is a re-upload of the third part of my conversation with Patrick Condor on Black Lives Matter movement, US politics elections back in June, if I'm not mistaken. If you enjoy the background modes, please consider supporting me on Patreon at patreon.com slash Vincent Canfora. That's Vincent C-A-N-F-O-R-A. Anything is much appreciated, and I'll be speaking about politics as well as other subjects that are not political as well, such as reading sci-fi short stories, talking about music, and other things as well. Understandable. Um, there's a meme. Uh, I'm not going to describe the entire meme. Maybe you've seen it. I'm not going to describe it because it has a, a racist t- statement. But um, do you know, I don't know what their names are, but it's like this round thing with a flag on it. It's like this round face. Like... Oh, I think it's usually called Poland Ball. Okay, yeah, it's like a Poland Ball. And it kind of, com- the meme sort of compares left-wing memes to right-wing memes. So right. the left-wing memes is with the anarchist communist flag, like the, that actually Kropotkin meme. And then you've got... Yep. A huge essay that you can't even read the words because it's all yes, like yes. And then on the yeah. right uh, right side, you've got like the libertarian fat flag on the Polish ball, and a really short, very racist, and yeah. sort of like that thing with the and the Poland balls. They've got the glasses on. They're like giving a, a little, you know, thumbs up and everything. And sure, sort of like this idea. I think that encapsulates what you're trying to say in terms of soundbite. You know. Um, left uh, the left even became a bit meta meta ironic with the idea that it makes fun of its own difficulty to bring political in in memes whilst the right it's literally just like make a racist joke make a racist tiktok and everyone's going to yeah. jump on it and it's going to become like a trend so I, I feel you on that, and I feel that maybe we're not winning a bit terrifying, that's a bit, that kind of like sends a bit of shivers down my spine, but... What's if, far more terrifying if you think we're close to the break? Definitely. Um, I think that a lot of, I think that, if anything, COVID is an acceleration, I'm not going to say it's accelerationist, but it's like... It's a, an accelerator because it puts a lot yeah. of people against the wall of late capitalism. And, yes, yeah. And then it kind of puts to the test everything that Marxists have been speaking of, the superstructure versus infrastructure, because you can you can watch Fox News all you want and not want to wear a mask. That guy who became famous like yesterday, everyone was talking about him, posted a bunch of Blue Lives Matter, thin blue line memes, said he wasn't going to wear a mask, went to a pool party, got COVID, died. Um, so you, you'll get a bunch of leftists who are going to say, you can live in denial and watch Tucker Carlson all, all day long and go out without a mask and lick a fucking lamppost if you want to. If you get COVID and you die, that's going to happen whether or not you believe on And there's a slight merit to that, but do we really want to turn COVID-19 into bio-warfare against the right? Like, do we really want to make that right. be the end uh, superstructure infrastructure? Do we really want to make and, end things that, like, you're going to die from the virus, or, like, you're going to die in a fashion... Would that be, would that be effective, right? And, and that's, that's kind of said earlier, you know, if you can't access reality, it doesn't matter what real is. Mm-hmm. For many people, right, uh, you know, a story like that, where is the, what, in what media is a story like that circulating? Well, it's circulating maybe in mainstream media, 
certainly in sort of like liberal media, right? Um, that is that's going to have all but no effect on people that are true believers, mm-hmm. whether they are true believers in the sense that like they really, you know, uh, COVID was a Democratic Party plus communist Chinese conspiracy to make Trump look bad versus people who are just sort of the mild version of that, which is like, oh, it's not a big deal. It's a bad flu, right? These people are locked into their beliefs. If they encountered a story of deep abiding irony, like the one you brought up, where somebody, you know, dies in a circumstance that could have been avoided due to their own stupidity because they didn't believe the, the, um, they are absolutely capable of spinning that to make it somehow you, your fault and my fault. And that's where I'm saying, I mean, in a way, like it kind of comes back around to the, the fundamental idea of like operation battle that's not being fought in the real world. It is being fought in our minds. It's being fought in our beliefs, right? And I don't think that we're telling the story effectively enough right now. I don't think that it's 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 quite difficult too because I don't I don't think that we can fit a worthwhile interpretation of the world that leads us to some kind of justice, leads us to some kind of meaningful liberty and freedom. I don't think we can fit. I mean, maybe that's one of the reasons I don't, I don't agree with the premise that the left can't mean, but if we can't, that's probably why, because the world is complicated and we recognize that. Yeah, I agree. But what are we going to, because just because we're on the right doesn't mean we're going to win. Definitely. I think that um, one of my last remarks on the last podcast, and it's, something that it depends on how much we, we keep creating our own re- reality and then the real keeps knocking on the door and whether we open mm-hmm. or not the door it kind of it depends on the person because as you said like if you, if you curate your own reality like a bunch of your neighbors can die of covid you're watching fox you're going into turning point usa they're not going to be talking about that they're not going to be talking about um, the people dying of COVID, the people dying of lack of healthcare, the people dying of lack of housing, and etc. Et but the one thing that I am, it's not that I'm placing bets because honestly, I think that everything is necessary a gamble. Yeah. But I think that this winter, this next winter, is gonna inevitably, it's gonna be a bit of. I think that this winter is the point where the real sort of like. To, to a certain part of the population, especially working class population, it kind of breaks down the door and it says, I'm I'm here no matter what. It, and this, I could be wrong. I can absolutely be wrong and luck for us next year. But yeah. I think that if we give it enough time because of the situation with housing, the amount of people who are going to be owing so many, so many months on top of months of rent, they're going to want that the moratorium is suspended and once that the amount of people who are boiling up not being able to afford healthcare in the u.s and we get into winter suddenly there yep. we've got a massive virus we're not going to get a vaccine by the end of the year and if we do oh god no in the u.s it's going to be expensive as fuck it's not going to be free yep. trump will well not all i can on. All I can say with that is I, I genuinely hope that, that any vaccine is developed in another nation outside the U.S. before it's developed here. Because under the current political circumstances, I could very easily imagine a situation where Trump said, we're not sharing this virus, this, uh, uh, you know, that just that like level of uh, paranoid nationalism that's set in right now. 
if I'm not mistaken, I think that Brazil. I'm. I, don't quote me on this. I'm not sure if it's true, but I think that Brazil. It has one of the biggest uh, bioscientific institutions, which is the Butantan. And if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken, they develop. They're starting to develop a prototype of an air purifier, which takes the virus away, like ninety percent of it, or something like that. What one can only hope, because uh, I'm fully expecting to be back in my and uh, I'm not so hot on my lungs boiling out the blood. Yeah, definitely. And I think that, honestly, like, when push comes to shove this winter, we are going to be so fucked that what I, what I said past episode was basically, like, that we're really cute and sort of germinating Occupy, but we're not met with the methodical aggressiveness of BLM. They collide yeah. because, of course, BLM was the BLM was all, ha, also has a scope. The scope is police brutality towards black and brown uh, neighborhoods. Uh, you know, uh, racial profiling the prison industrial co- complex. It's a very it's an identitarian scope and a scope of solidarity towards nation. Occupy right. claims they're a lot more broad because they're like lower middle class and working class claims, and but they were a bit in like the very early stadia so that's why occupy i mean it, it it was cute but it didn't really yield much did it and no if you if you meet that occupy happened pre alt right if we put occupy the occupy claims now with YouTube and you kind of boil it all together and you meet that with the mythology of blm which kind of like radicalized a lot of the protesters who went there and experienced police brutality firsthand, and now they are a lot more radical. Oh, reform the police to abolish the fucking police. And, yeah. You know, you kind of this aggressiveness meeting with the claims that have not gone away. And then you put that on top of a housing crisis, a pandemic, the lack of healthcare, the fact that Bernie Sanders got absolutely backstacked institution as we expected it to happen. Um, <laughs> and in the same year that the guy, the only guy who was sort of praising for a single payer healthcare, universal healthcare system, got dumped. A storm happens, like, and and then you've got sort of like stuff like generational conflicts, which is sort of a meme not very not very accurate but at the same time i think that it's a bit symptomatic of accelerationism now and capitalist realism most of all um the idea that zoomers did not grow under the cold war so their perception of leftism is not the same of the people who experience like the fall of the berlin wall the ideas of what was the soviet union and what is leftism and what is leninism what is stalin because they did not live under like the nuclear scare and everything right right and uh, the corollary to that uh is that um zoomers grew up in a time when a very like toast democrat was dismissed by uh the by the right media establishment as you know a radical marxist which like nobody who's on the left actually has much nice to say about obama exactly but that was that was the story that was exactly and the speed in which information is circulating now makes it a lot easier for people to find out that Obama was a war criminal than it would have been like 10 years ago. A lot about revolutionary thinkers and about history and sort even though we haven't re- really reached the point where the left has expanded it's certainly uh, it, it's it's certainly grown a lot more further than we'd say in 2015 like we have a lot more leftist discourse now which is 
willing to oppose the alt-right than we had five years ago. Like, the alt-right was... It's still mainstream, but it it had a monopoly, like, five years ago to four years ago, leading up to the Trump election, that I don't think that maybe, even though it's very strong, like, I don't think that it leads unopposed as it did a few years ago. Um, hence why we've got this sort of, like, de-radicalization, re-radicalization wave of bread to you. And we kind of need to give it time for it to germinate and see what the output of it is. We need to also give it a, at least three years of BLM and the effect that it has over the people who demonstrated it. How these people are going to grow up because certainly, to some extent, the police brutality that some of these protesters have faced gave them trauma. Like, a bunch of yeah. people probably are traumatized because of the tear gas. Uh, rubber bullets to the face because they saw blood. Right. Because they saw... Um, right. maces because they saw children being, you know, you know, violently pushed over by policemen because they saw a mass arrest, you know, places burning because they saw, you know, people being run over by council pro protesters and some of them saw, you know, Patriot Prayer and Boogaloo's and and three percenters <laughs> coming out with their rifles and it's it's all it's gonna give people PTSD. We already have. We're gonna get double yeah, PTSD yeah. from that. So give it yeah. three years and see the very output of that you know but i do hope you're right yeah. um uh, anything you want to add to that before we move into the last point uh well what is the last point for you things i, I would i would ask you like things you know because it's very difficult and we, we kind of feel like this sort of atrophy into mm -hmm. how we can act and how to build which is yeah sort of part of what breeds this anxiety towards accelerationism however if you put away likelihood if you were able to like resketch tomorrow and like put in something that you think like it would help out a lot um what do you think it would be like what, what what's one thing that you yeah. think that's sort that's sort of missing you know yeah no i i think that's i mean that's a really difficult question for sure i think that uh I think that one of the strengths that the left has in the modern moment um, is that modern capitalism is really predicated on the against you, it's your fault. Mm -hmm. And I think that one of the great strengths of the left has always been that it was able to problematize that, that it was able to, to look, at, um, look at the world and say, you have actors involved. So, you know, we ended up talking about uh, just a second ago about... Um, this wave of, at least in the United States, and I don't know what it's going to look like in other parts of the, the world, but in the United States, we're pretty much looking at a wave of closures on homes, evictions from apartments, um, and that's all down to policy choices uh, following the, the, the COVID economic shutdown here, right? So there are two different interpretations of getting kicked out of your home in a time like this. One of them is, you did something wrong. Feel ashamed. And the other one is, uh, you are a, uh, you are grist in a mill, right? You know, a bit of grain being ground up to feed the, the hungry mouth uh, of Wall Street. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, and I can definitely see, in a time like this, uh, that a, I mean, people do not for the fact that. Um, 
that the economy has shut down and they've lost their jobs. They literally had no ability to control that. So clearly, uh, any kind of like negative outcome for them is not their fault. It is. Uh, and if there are left groups there with a uh, strident counter narrative to that, I think that could that could bear some fruit. That is a good answer. That definitely is a good answer. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I can the uh, DSA, Democratic Socialists of America group that uh, that I am uh, involved with, has been doing a lot of work around uh, tenant organization, trying to form tenant unit unions. In the that's a that's a good starting point, right? Because we're also atomized. We're also atomized in the modern world. We're also uh, pulled apart. You know, whether that's um, actually intentionally or if it's just sort of reflexively. Um, building some kind of solidarity with local people who are suffering the same kind of um, uh, consequences of capitalism, uh, that's going to be helpful. Um, and I would also plug, you know, at a uh, day and age, at this stage of things, I think that I know the United States is a weird case in this uh, compared to the rest of the, the world, but I think that it's, part, it's time, it's well past time for in the United States self-defense Um, Not because I think we'll necessarily succeed if it comes to a shooting war. Uh, We have far fewer guns than the Chuds do. It's a a way to buy space. It's a way to buy time where you might might actually organize uh, and you might get the rest of the community behind you. Um, And uh, yeah, so I I really, I'm basically, if you're listening to this, buy a gun. I agree. I agree. <laughs> I agree a lot. And um, I think that my answer to this question kind of complements your answer. But at the same time, I think that both answers are very age gap, sort of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I remember growing up in the late noughties, uh, early tens. And as I said, I'm very pro-piracy. And I kind of grew up in that wing where... I got to experience the internet as being a bit of a wild west. Uh, you remember before yeah. Facebook was because now ninety five percent is spent on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, WhatsApp. That's pretty much it. Right, right. right. We're back. We're back to the walled garden, like yeah. uh, America Online, Compu, CompuServe. Yeah, yeah. And we've got if you take into account that Instagram and WhatsApp are both owned by Facebook. All, all of our online time is given to the same few corporations, you know? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I think that it's it's very difficult to get a difficult discourse across because it's not mainstream, but one of the things that in which I think that the, the left accidentally or maybe paying the price for it for visibility sabotages itself is with the idea that it it should be pre- given to these platforms. And I remember a time where my time online was spent in forums and message boards yep. that were not corporately owned. It, it was like music forums which were owned by fans of music, you know, like bands. Right, fans right. That tact- tactically, I, if we were to see sort of... Because I know we, know, we all know that the right see the in the culture war sort of like the idea of the culture, as being a bit of a warfare you know um the right already sees the left as in even the liberal left even like the democratic left 
they kind of see it as communists. They radicalize them. They put them. Oh, the absolutely. Can't see. They can't tell the difference between me and a Joe Biden supporter, and they'll right. they're willing to exterminate us. If the left yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many times I point out that Lenin would have had me. I'm a Leninist in their mind. Exactly. And yeah. if the left were to understand, sort of like, how can we undermine the superstructure, super and count, how can we organize in a fashion that is, or like, thinking of it warfare-like, like cultural cyber warfare? I think that one of the most important things that we can do is get off corporate social media, because yeah. at this point we've already seen how Facebook ruined democracy in, you know, WhatsApp, fuck yeah. Brazil. Um, yeah, the whole Cambridge Analytica scandal, and even YouTube, yeah. when people, when queer YouTubers brought forward the problem that YouTube was sort sort of censoring queer content and this and that, we already know corporate media is not going to take our side. Push comes to shove because a lot of leftism, you know, its its last aim is to seize the means of production that means that you uh-huh. is not going to belong to google anymore like <laughs> right um, right so when we think about it i think that tactically if i could just make one blip in in the narrative of how the world works now and i think that it would change the angle of everything a lot it would much of mainstream left out of twitter into mastodon or any open source website kind of decentralize the internet again because it's essential the internet became a monopoly it became hierarchical it, it it was a wild west and then you had information coming from everywhere but the reason why we curate so much of my or our feed is because we only get it from one website you know right right if I, well go ahead. i mean uh, you're i i don't i don't think there i think that you're 100 percent right that we need to build spaces that are not going to be influenced by this kind of like uh the 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 urges of capital Mm -hmm. but on the other hand if we abandon um the commonly accessible web right if we run away from reddit if we run away from uh facebook um we're basically leaving those spaces to the default view which kind of a you know like like vaguely Maybe socially liberal, but certainly economically conservative capitalist uh, um, approach to things, right? Um, so if we want to have to fight for those spaces. Yeah, definitely. Um, to be honest, like the way that I see that people could um, meaningfully, and I'm not saying I'm not saying this is an endorsement in case the NSA is listening to me, in case the CIA is <laughs> hypothetically, if someone was to bomb the facebook servers <laughs> no one would have access to it just think about that <laughs> think about that think of if facebook never what what would america look like now america as in the continent or well, every country yeah. in america would look yeah. like that um if someone were okay we can if, if we need to occupy the corporate spaces that's okay the servers aren't there if someone were to bomb twitter head- headquarters I'm, <laughs> I'm just putting it out there i'm not endorsing if you do that do you at your own risk don't don't come culprating me and say please don't come knocking on my door mi6 but it's just here <laughs> that ultimately at the at the very we're fighting for the mediums right but here's the thing people th- tend to think that facebook is like a newspaper right it's a newspaper where you can curate who who gets on your feed but the facebook is not the newspaper facebook is the paper 
and yeah the algorithm it doesn't it's not like you're buying yeah in the case of the uk paper it's not like you're buying like new york times or washington post you know um the thing about it is that choose which words are more relevant which means that the yeah. paper gets to choose which words the ink actually sticks and yeah. that's where that's the the other layer of the meta narrative of postized on because we're not we're not just talking about um following breadtube or following ben shapiro dave rubin etc etc we're talking about youtube at the end of the day will always prioritize ben shapiro a right. non-binary youtuber with 7000 followers They're because always... it's in their yeah. it's in their material interest to do so exactly so if we, we can try and keep the cultic you know going on and just keep the the narrative always you know, fighting in when we will be most seen but we need to understand that when push comes to shove google is not going to take our side twitter is not going to facebook allowed what happened to happen cambridge analytica is like the very example that these we already know that in the end of the day the website is picking the which words the ink actually sticks and all words are not going to stay on onto it so right if the if if we are aiming for leftism and not liberalism progressivism like the whole middle of the road milk toast like sort of policy that we really need to be able to undermine the structure of how we access information and i think that open and, source... uh, go ahead uh, no, sorry. Finish up. Um, I think that open source piracy and hacktivism, to a certain extent, I still think that hacktivism can be useful. Like in Utah, that guy that was actually able to hack the the government website for reporting on people who refused to work because of COVID, and then he ca- hacked a yeah. bunch of junk data, and now no one's going to get cut off of their of their stimulus check because they they're not able to work because they don't want to work. That is praxis, you know? Um, and yeah, I, yeah. I think that there's loads of relief. If we think of about this as warfare, there's loads of room for tact- for leftist tactics to emerge. But for that, we need to be able to not... We need to be able to actually have the motivation, like you said, like the people who will put their bodies against understand our enemies, because I do think that corporations are, at the very last instance, they are enemies. <laughs> And we need to be able to have the motivation to put ourselves between the corporation interests and all and be, be crushed. Last instance, we're, we're never going to get this them on the all side. Yeah, you know. Yep. It's a bit radical. Yeah. yeah. No. Uh, I, yeah. I mean, I I don't disagree with you there. I think uh, of good um, uh, uh, prescriptions there for how we move forward. I I would just add that, you know. The thing that the left, broadly speaking, even, you know, even the Marxist-Leninists on of here, um, you know, we all do share. The reason that we're left is that we share a, um, we share a, a belief that uh, the human experience, right, like that human misery is bad and we should do what we can to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Um, that actually does give us some leverage, Right. I mean, if you think about it in terms of your just interpersonal relationships, if you speak to not give a shit about you, it doesn't want you to be happy. Well, you're less likely to uh, weight the, 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 the positions of that person 
versus somebody who uh, clearly actually cares about, uh, wants the best for you, right? So, you know, on the mimetic side, on this kind of, uh, uh, you know, warfare of ideas side of things, you, we, we do have that problem of how does the left express itself in a way clear to the average unideologically educated person that like, no, we're on your side. We want you to be happy. That is literally fundamentally our goal is that you are happy, that you are content what you need. Um, but on the other hand, um, that actually, I think that that feeds into a strength that we have uh, in this weird modern world of COVID, of lockdowns, in, in the, the potential like collapse of global capitalism, which is that if we speak to the people that are physically present in our lives, you know, I said, you know, Vince, you and I are, are, are more on the anarchist end of things, right? And we're more interested in the, the personal than the structural. Yeah. We speak to the people that are physically present in our lives and we say to them, what do you need? What can I do for you? Right. Sort of like, I mean, you know, the, the buzzword is mutual aid, right? How do we help each other? That's, I think, how we win is by being uh, humanitarians, is by uh, putting our sacrificing of our own time and our own effort and energy, um, not with the expectation of anything in return, but, but also with that idea that, like, we're setting an example, that we're showing that it is possible to exist in an economy of the gift, economy of recipro reciprocity, instead of one of exchange. Um, so uh, that is one way, uh, for all the pessimism that I've sort of like shat out there this entire conversation, that's one way I think that we're in um, a position right now, right? Because we have an opportunity, especially if it, in the United States, I fully expect that we're going to be in a situation where there are millions of people looking for uh, a home, not because we don't have them, but because they've been legally excluded from them. So, you know what? You're, we're in this together. Come on over, have a hot meal. You got a couch to stay on as long as you need it. That is dumb bullshit. Like that is the least thing that you can do for, for another human being. But it's an impactful political statement, I think, in the modern world. And I don't anticipate the fascists doing anything similar. Because what's mine is mine for them, right? Yeah. Um, so I think just recount demonstrating what that could look like. That, like, I think of you as a human being who has experiences that are fundamentally not that dissimilar from my own, that you want the same things, and that I think you are just as deserving as uh, safety and uh, comfort, and that that's the strongest recruiting tool that we have right now. A hundred percent. And it's, it's beautiful because... In the end, we sort of understand, um, even though the whole idea that we bring forward, like at the end, with the Taz and in insurrections being closer than revolutions, and the idea of the now. In the end, one of one thing that we all always forget, because so much of the idea of great struggle, of course, and everyone experiences struggle. They experience police brutality. They experience fear and anguish, and. Uh, you know, this whole idea of not knowing, going to a demonstration, not knowing if you're going to make it back forced or if you're even going to make it back alive. But at the same time, it, because we get so caught up in that, things like the Seattle Autonomous Zone and things like BLM, despite all, all the fear that has been 
cutting through it is that insurrection it stems from the uh, the look for happiness you know the, yeah. the the actual pursuit for happiness not the libertarian capitalist the anacap um pursuit for happiness but actual pursuit for happiness in solidarity you know the right. happiness that we can find in solidarity and the idea that you could you'll experience a lot of ang- anguish and you'll experience a lot of fear a lot of anger but the idea that maybe you'll get like I don't know, maced or tear gassed or a, a rubber bullet, and a street medic is going to come around and aid you. Yes, and it's going to yes. take you somewhere, get food and water, and people are going to look after you until you're good enough to keep on walking or maybe go home. That the fact that you'll get um a mass arrest with like fifteen other people and no one is going to say a word until everyone and you know that there's protesters outside who are there to ensure that you're going to make it out of that precinct. Right. And right. when you leave and then you'll go to an autonomous zone where there's free pizza being handed out and people are watching Netflix on a big screen and having political on the 13th Amendment and everyone there wants to hear and be heard and like, you know, and you'll be able to walk around a park knowing that you're safe from cops and, you know, this whole experience that, you know, you'll be experiencing fear, but in the middle and grabs you and lets you know that you're not alone in the most essential term of being not alone that is yeah. something that the right is never going to have the right is never going to have they can try and create unity ethno states and you know savage capitalism in the end it's a free for all amongst them and as sap- as sappy as it sounds what you're describing is uh, truly essential yeah. and that's that we we've got a monopoly on love definitely definitely and that's the, the last thing because we always forget about that i think that over the last decade Something that really moved me from BLM is that over the the last five years, I had completely forgotten about that. I you yeah. Know, when when people talk about the left being extreme extremely divisive, and I think personally, like I'm, we're not going to get into that, but I think that sort of like part of what the cancel culture, anti cancel culture rhetoric kind of died, maybe unawarely, uh, it just kind of like gives off a bit of the idea that the left is never going to welcome you. And that yeah. the left will always be looking for a reason to like push you away or make you not part of a community, and it kind right, of right, purity or whatever. And 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 the right is always the fascism of the right is always spreading this false idea of unity under race, under masculinity, under patriotism, under nationalism, and I co- I completely forgot that it's it, that is completely backwards. I completely yeah. forgot that the left is about mutual aid and it took a fucking pandemic and a fucking wave of riots and protests for me to be reminded of that that what what you're fighting for what we're all fighting for is the ability to reach out to someone who is in pure fear and that is yes. something that in the when push comes to shove the right does just doesn't have I agree completely with you with it and you know I guess in in the, the in the big picture kind of sum up that that kind of comes back to my criticisms about the um the rhetoric of the left right which maybe we've maybe we haven't done it as well as we could we do have this uh ground to stand on which is uh we are in this together right there is no division we are all we are all imperfect human beings in an imperfect way to make our way forward and the best possible way to do that is by recognizing 
that uh, the the the, um, the individual value and everybody that's around us, right? That's not something that exists within the right. The right is all about hierarchies in who's out, who belongs, who doesn't, who counts as a human and who does not. Um, and we do have that advantage in this modern day. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm still at the end of this conversation, very skeptical. Um, the idea of accelerationism as something to be fetishized or something to be pushed forward or something to be looked forward to. I do think that there are enormous inherent dangers to that. But I will say that if you hit that reset button, if you, you know, and we went back to being, uh, you know, just the apes that we are, I think it is on a fundamental level more appealing for somebody to say, I love you. What do you need is, you're not like me. How can I get rid of you? Um, yeah. That's an advantage we we have and we we need to cultivate. Certainly, I, I don't say this to like invalidate your point because I agree with you. But just as a fun anecdote, uh, during tests, some of the people who I've I keep up with on Twitter who are um, avid accelerationist thinkers and who are accelerationist bloggers and whatnot. These are the people who were pushing for the tactics for protesters to use. And yeah. uh, one of the people that I actually follow, Nick's Land, uh, not Nick Land, but Nick's Land, who is a trans woman on on Twitter. Um, she was posting so much on how people should protect themselves, savvy about it and just saying like, listen, here's how you need to encrypt your phone. Here's, don't bring your phone, bring a burner one. Um, here are yeah. everything that you need to know. Here are things that you can do. In on the ground that are going to help you and your peers, you know, tactics to encryption and cybersecurity and everything. And I've seen multiple accelerationist thinkers who are doing the what we hoped would be the good angle, if possible, towards anarchist thinking, which is mm -hmm. like if we could, if we can have the opportunity to seize technology and to seize this quick growth of information and this this feeling of constant um information and towards each other um how uh, we can use that right now is a good opportunity for us to use that and to actually employ it for good and um i, I counteract anything that you just said because i think that you've got really good points but it's just a, a cute little anecdote you know to think that so many people think that um the major accelerationist thinkers like if you go to mainstream media that it, the people who want to bring upon us technocratic eugenics. But yeah, yeah. Really, you got a bunch of queer and trans women and people who are post-left thinkers or sort of like get a bit of, on the on the Mark Fisher vibe are very smart people and they're trying to do their best to provide deep thought critiques um, and analysis and diagnosis of how today is going to work and when push came to shove with blm so bad and here's how we're going to help you defend yourself from them and i think that's yeah you know it's, it's pretty sweet um yeah yeah no i i'm not uh i'm not about to dump on anything like that you know um i don't as much as it may seem otherwise i don't necessarily think that that cast of thinking that is sort of like let's bring it on you know, sort of is is the wrong way to go, but I think that if we want to, if we, you know, honestly, whether you think of this in accelerationist accelerationist terms or not, what we need to be doing is to is to be building that sort of base level 
of uh, solidarity, of recognition, uh, building out with the idea that like we are all in this together, all in this together. Um, and if we can do that quickly enough, then I, I don't really have a, a problem with the accelerationist uh, point of view, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's mostly just about playing to our strengths. Yeah. And our strengths ultimately are that, you know, whoever comes into our, the, the left camp, we can find something of value in you that is not your race, your gender, gender identity. It's not based upon any of these sort of like accidents of human of the expression of humanity it is based upon our common uh, our, our common value as human beings yeah. um if we just lean into that end of things i think that we're gonna be okay but we've just got to we've got to keep it in mind you know man like it's it's uh it's easy for us to get wrapped up in guillotine get about the fact that uh the people that we're memeing about could be on our side and not only that but we want them on our side if they can back down from all their bullshit. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I like to finish things off on a positive note. This is a pretty, I think is good because it's, it's usually a, a pretty dismal conversation. Um, <laughs> is there anywhere where people can reach out to you, any social media in which you are available or are you a bit shut out of? That sort yeah. Of I, I've managed to avoid Instagram, Twitter, uh, universe. Good on um, you. Yeah. So yeah. leave me alone. <laughs> don't contact me. Don't um, no, uh, to the extent that anybody has any interest in talking about it. But beyond that, I'm not really, especially as a teacher uh, and, and with the political climate, I'm not super into losing my job because I said something nasty about the American Constitution. So, yeah, you can.